who Jesus loves and adores. Say it with me. Jesus has something good for me today. He has something good for you today. We want to welcome our live stream audience. And uh, I mean, we are getting some crazy shout outs. Netherlands, Tanzania, uh, Uganda, India. So it's like really wild how that happens. So we want to shout it back out at you guys and we want to bless you. We want to tell you how honored we are that um, you all connect with us, and we're honored to have you all here here in Miami connecting to us, too. I want to encourage you to share the stream. We're talking about freedom today. Um, good topic for Fourth of July coming up. And freedom is what's called a meta-theme in the Scripture. So there are themes within the Scripture. There are pillars within the Scripture, but there's also themes. And so what makes a meta-theme or a major theme of the Scripture is when it's talked about consistently or like in volume and freedom is definitely a topic uh, in the old and in the new that's talked about in volume God wants us free he wants us free amen you believe that he wants us free and so um, it's important that we understand freedom what freedom is it's where where the experiential power of freedom comes from and what the greatest gift of freedom actually is and so I'm going to read you Galatians 5.1. It says, it's for freedom's sake that Christ has made you free. He made you free just to make you free. That's the whole idea. And it says, stand therefore and let yourselves not be burdened by any yoke of slavery. And so what freedom is, is it's the Greek word eleutheros. You try that. Eleutheros, right? So it's eleutheros, and it means different things. From a civil point of view, but from a legal point of view, it means the exempt from judgment. So when Christ, there's different things that Jesus does for us. This freedom that God releases to our lives is an all-encompassing freedom. It's a legal decree, but any kind of legal decrees, so Christ's resurrection gave him the legal authority to declare that the price is paid. It gave him the legal authority to speak over your life and declare freedom. But just like everything, there's a judicial decree and there's an enforcement action that has to take place. Jesus has paid the price for the whole world. But, that, but the enforcement action of that decree or of that comes only when someone gives their life to Christ. When someone gives their life to Christ, the, the, the decree that, that their, their sins are forgiven, the enforcement of that action happens. It's the same thing in your life. There's freedom that's been decreed over every area of your life. But there has to be an enforcement action by you in order to manifest that freedom. It's the same way. It's how, that's how we get when we become more experienced, God coming into our hearts and the freedom that he releases to us through being born again. It's because we have come into an alignment or we have enforced the legal decree that heaven has made. That's what happens. And so it's important to understand that. So legally, what freedom means is it means we are exempt from judgment, exempt from the condemnation of sin, not, t not particularly popular subjects in the American church anymore. I just come from this evangelism conference, among other things, in, um, in Amsterdam. And some of the conversation among these world leaders is that the, just really the biblical, like how illiterate people are biblically, right? America was never known for biblical illiteracy, but it's like the Americans have become very biblically illiterate. We don't teach the Bible anymore. We teach topics. We teach ideas. We teach encouraging, you know, motivational speeches. That's what our churches have become. And then the second thing was the weakness of the church as it relates to, to, to the word repentance. You know, people don't get saved unless they're offered, unless they're told the problem. You know what I mean? 
You don't go to the doctor unless you actually understand you have a problem. You, you know what I mean? It's like, so when we don't teach repentance, and the Bible says one of the ways the Holy Spirit works, or the way the Holy Spirit works in the world, he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit's manifested power to the unbeliever is through sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the church has to teach what sin is. The, who said yes? I got somebody. All right. So the church, I got, I got one. That's all I need. I need one. The church has to teach what sin is. The church has to talk about righteousness. So it's sin, you're lost, you're separated, you need the righteousness of Jesus. He's the only one that can make you righteous. And if you don't accept that, then there's an impending judgment that's over your life. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that's what the Holy Spirit uses to convict and draw the heart forward onto Christ or open the heart. That's how you came to Jesus. Somebody told you you were a sinner. Somebody told you you weren't right. Somebody told you you were lost and going to hell, right? Maybe you didn't get the hell message. I got the hell message. I didn't need the love message. I needed the hell message. The hell message opened my eyes. I'm like, whoa, geez, you know, you're separated. You're condemned. You're lost without Christ. So to understand this completely, to understand this at least in conceptual terms, when God judged, he never judged man. He judged sin. Say it with me. The Lord, the Lord. Ju never judged Adam. He judged the sin. And because Adam is under sin, Adam is under the judgment of sin. You understand that? We're all born of Adam. Therefore, we carry what's called iniquity. We carry within our bloodline. That's what iniquity is. Iniquity is issues in the bloodline. We carry the iniquity in, the, in our bloodline because we are born of Adam and we are born under sin. Therefore, we're born sinners under the judgment of sin. We must become born. Absolutely. Born of the blood of. Right. You get me? No longer born of Adam, no longer born of a corrupt, corrupt bloodline. Now we're born of a royal bloodline. We're born of the blood of Jesus. Our inheritance no longer flows from Adam. Our spiritual connection no longer comes from Adam. We come out from the condemnation of sin, and we come into Christ. We don't even come under Jesus. The Bible says we come into him, or rather he comes into us, but he, the, the, the language is, is that we come into Christ, and that's what it means. And so, like, when freedom is talking about here, one of the things that freedom is talking about is that you're exempt from the penalty of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Put your hand on your heart. It's good news for you today. Right? Say it. I'm immortal. I am forgiven. I will live eternally. Yeah. You're going to live in paradise eternally. If there's a higher word, I don't know. And Jesus is on the thief in the cross. And I, I, I don't want to get into all the, the theological dynamics of all of this. But I will say, when Jesus looked at the cross, he said, hey, remember me when you come to my kingdom. And the Lord looks over him and says, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and this coming from the God who is the God of the understatement. So Jesus creates the universe and goes, yeah, it's good. It's good. So he didn't even use the language of good. You know what I mean? I assure you today you will be with me in goodness. No, he used that. He never used, Jesus doesn't use these crazy terms, but he uses for his kingdom. He says it's paradise. It's paradise. And you're born again of the blood of Christ. Your sins do not, your, see, your, see, you see the issue is your sins don't condemn you. Your sin condemns you. You don't have to do anything to be born condemned. You're born condemned. It's not smoking, drinking, and chewing, and hanging out with those that are doing that condemn us. It's not our external works. It's the inward birth 
that we're born condemned. You understand that? Your, your external actions make your life hell, but they don't send you to hell. So if you make choices contrary to God's will and word and action and, and, and purposes, they will create, as we reap, as we sow, so shall we reap, they'll create this, you know, calamity, but they don't condemn you. The Bible says there's one sin that leads unto death. There's one sin of condemnation. Harimatia harmatano. Harimatia is the sin of offense. Harimatano is the sin of, of um uh, of action, you know, we push away and then there's the action of sin. The harimatia is what condemns man and we're all born with it. It's one sin. Bible even uses it in singular. It uses it in singular when John says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, singular, of the word. It uses it in singular in Isaiah 53 when it says, Be, uh, the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity, singular, not multiple, right? It's not this multitude of sins that condemn us. It's one and we're all born with it. We've got to come out of the iniquity of Adam and come into the righteousness of Christ. Everyone needs to be born again. This is the message, right? This is the message. So freedom for you, Christian, is you are free from, you are exempt from the penalty. No condemnation, law, sin, and death. You're forgiven. You're ready. You're restored. But there's another side to this. From a, from a societal perspective, from a civil perspective, there's a legal side and there's a societal side. You were born into a kingdom. You're part now of a new society. And the Bible says that you are free, right? This is a legal decree. There's a difference between a legal decree and the manifested action of that decree. So the decree is made. The art is learning how to take what is on, in heaven and bring it into the earth. That's the whole game, on earth as it is in heaven. So the legal decree over my life is that I am free from what restrains me and what constrains me. That's the legal decree of heaven. Yet if we look at our lives, we are still restrained by things. And we are still constrained by things. Can I get a witness? Born again, going to heaven. God's told you to do, you can have this, or this is the purpose, but you just can't seem to get, you're just restrained by something, and you don't know what's restraining you. Or you're constrained. Something holds you back, right? But although the decree of freedom is there. So the art is learning how to manifest that decree. God's not going to do it for you. So again, this is a big misnomer. We need to talk about the elephants in the room, right? If God was going to do it for us, it would already be done. He's already done it, and he's empowered you to manifest his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You've been given legal authority. You've been given the Holy Spirit who guides you into truth to lead us down these paths of how we gain this freedom and how we do it, and it is absolutely possible. But God's not going to do it without you. You can't do it without him, and he will not do it without you. It's the way it is. That's the way it was from the beginning. God de designed man to be in collaboration with him, with him. In the beginning, the design, the elemental design of the book of Genesis, the Edenic vision was that man, Adam, and, and God would working, were working together. Adam and Eve were working together, and they as one were working with the Father. To do what? To bring about the Father's will. How? On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus restores the Edenic vision, resurrected from the dead, and they thought he was a what? Anybody know? What was he mistaken for? He was what? No, he was mistaken for a gardener. Yeah. Why? It's a prophetic decree, the restoration of the Edenic vision. The Lord planted a garden. It's a, this is a restoration. You know, this is how God, it's, it's everything that God wants. You can find it back in Genesis, the Edenic vision. 
the Edenic vision of human relationship, woman male to female, the Edenic vision of what God wants on the earth and how he wants it done. It's a huge topic. Yeah. But you're supposed to be free from what restrains you and what constrains you, yet we're not. So this is the big art form. This is where we have to learn. You say, say this with me. Freedom, Freedom. is not about self-indulgence. It's not about self-indulgence. It's not about you, 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 you. So we'll say, well, then why did the Lord make us free? When, uh, it says you were called to freedom, but don't use your, your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. Galatians 5.13. You're free, but don't use your freedom to indulge yourself. You say, well, then what am I supposed to do with my freedom? You have a mirror of this in the book of Exodus. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and the Lord said, to, and the Lord God said, let my people go so that they can worship me in the wilderness. So our freedom is that we would begin to worship and integrate our lives with the Lord, right? We're not integrating our lives into world culture. We're not integrating our lives into church culture. We're integrating our lives into kingdom culture. It's completely different. It's lifestyle Christianity. It's gospel. It's kingdom. It's power. It's life. It's goodness. It's naturally supernatural. It's all the above. I had a hard time, and when I learned kingdom culture... I became free. When you're talking about freedom, man, I, I was like, when I became a Christian, I was coming out of the world culture, so I was trying to figure out, you know, all of that, you know, what, what, you know, most of it I could figure out, but there was still other things that, like, were still with me. Then I come into church culture, and I'm thinking, church culture must be what Jesus wants, because I didn't know anything, right? I'm just like, I think the book of Job is how you get a job. Job? Oh, yeah, it's a job book right here, right here. Right? Malachi is the book of Malachi, right? So, so this must be like we're, you know, Malachi. And so it's like I didn't know anything about the Lord. I didn't know anything about it. And so I thought church culture was what the Lord wanted. But then I realized that there, there's, there's rules and systems and actions and attitudes within the church that are not necessarily reflective of Jesus and who he is. I don't know if you all have been around much. I mean, I have. And so what God wants is not world culture. What God wants is not church culture. What God wants is he wants kingdom culture. And that's a big topic as well. And that relates to how we function as a community. We're generous. We're kind. We're relational. We're, you know, we're not, we're non-judgmental. We're affirming. We're empowering, right? It, that, that's kingdom culture. It's not about a system of rules and a, and a dress code. Lord said you will receive, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. He didn't say you'll receive a dress code. He didn't say you'll receive doctrine. He said you'll receive power. Power. Dunamis power. The power to love, the power to forgive, the power to become, all of these things. This is what God gives us. And so what is freedom for? Freedom is so that we learn to worship the Lord. To worship is everything in my life. Worship means worth it. That's really what it means. Oh, it, it comes from a Latin word means worship. A ship carrying worth. A ship carrying treasure. So when we worship God, we are giving him something. Or we're giving him our life because he is worth it. When you give him your time, it's because he is worth it. When you give him your money, it's because he is worth it. When you give him your attitude, your problems, whatever part of your life, your, your relationships, when you give that to him, you're saying you are worth it. That's what worship really means. And a lot of us, we, 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 don't, we, have, we have misalignment in our life. We're not really worshiping God. We worship him like on Sundays or whatever, and we like sing the songs and everything. But there are areas of our life where he's not worth it to you or you would be different. He's not worth your relationships, or you would give them to him. And you would, and you would do it his way, and you would let him guide them. Be but because you don't let him guide you, and you don't align your relationships with him, you're telling him you're not worth, he's not worth it. 
and you have a misalignment in that area of your life. And that misalignment causes the, 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 well, the kingdom doesn't flow, essentially. Some of you with your time, you know, no people, I don't have time. I don't have time, you know. Come to church three times a year. It's about the best you got, you know. Oh, I love you, Jesus. You're everything. You're everything. He's like, really? You're here three times a year. Am I everything to you? Is that what I am? I'm worth that much to you? I'm, worth your, I'm not worth your time? This is what happens with us. You know, this, isn't, this is an issue where we have to examine our lives. One of the things God told Haggai is he told, tell the people to take a look at their lives. They're complaining against me. He said, yet tell them to consider their ways. Tell them to look at how they interact with me. And their lives are a direct reflection of their interaction or their lack of interaction with me. That's what he told the prophet to tell them. The people, of course, they didn't like it, but that's what he told them to tell them nonetheless. You're symbiotically bound to a kingdom. The way you function within this kingdom is what enables this kingdom to flow in your life. This kingdom is alive. This kingdom is real. You know, I didn't sign up, I didn't sign up to be a believer and to follow Jesus for a Tony Robbins class. You know what I mean? I'm all, in, I'm all into exhortation teaching. But, that, but we got to do something a little bit more than exhortation teaching. We've got to take the people into the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom is at hand, right? This is what he tells us to do. We enter the kingdom. We follow him into the kingdom. This is another, another, another story. But the purpose of our, of, our, of, of our freedom is to learn to worship the Lord and to integrate every area of our life with him. And he tells them to worship them in the, in the wilderness, which is interesting because the Hebrew word for wilderness is the Hebrew word debar, and it means to speak. That the people would learn to worship me and to integrate their lives with me in order that I might speak with them. That's the, God, that's the game, right? That's the whole goal. My sheep hear my voice. That's right. He wrote a book. He didn't lose his voice. He's speaking. They that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. It's an ongoing context. It's not what, let them hear what the Spirit said. They that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit said in the 1600s. They that have ears to hear, let them hear what the, church, what the Spirit said in the early God, the book of Acts. No, he's speaking now. You know, Proverbs says that wisdom's being poured out in the concourses of the streets. It's not that God's not speaking. It's that we don't know how to listen. God says, I'm pouring out my word. I'm pouring out my spirit. I'm pouring out my knowledge. I'm pouring it out. How long, simple ones, will you remain simple? How long will you choose childish ways above kingdom ways? Just a thought. I'm in the boat with you, okay? I, 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 I'm a practitioner of this. I'm not a theorist, you know? I'm not, I'm not up here giving you theories and principles and all that stuff. I live this gospel. I live this kingdom. I participate in it. I do this. So what I'm telling you is stuff that I do myself and stuff that I've learned and stuff that I've had to grow into because I want, to, I want a faith that works, right? Come on, amen? We want something that works. We don't need a rah-rah and then nothing happens. Woo! And then nothing. You know what I mean? We need, we need something that really transforms our lives and manifests different things within our lives and changes us. This is what he promised. This is what he died for. Um, the Lord told me, he said, you, you, if I gave my blood for it, Kevin, and you don't value it, what does that mean to me? If I gave my blood so that you could have the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit and you don't value it, what does that mean to me? If I gave my blood for you in order for you to have an inheritance in my name what does, and you don't value it, what does that mean to me? It means you don't value the gift that I give you. When we don't treasure what God offers us and when we don't treasure what he extends to us, it is a dishonor to him. It's your father's, it's your father's honor to give you his very best. 
It is your honor to him to receive his very best. When we don't receive and pursue and passionately reach for what are the very best that God has promised, we dishonor him. But when you receive it and you begin to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know you do, so I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to begin to receive these things in my life, and I'm going to begin to pursue these things within my life, it is a great honor to him. And honor creates access. And we want access, do we not? Amen. Come on. The purpose of freedom is to connect with him, to live in him, and to live through him unto all things. That's what it's all about, right? I come from, you know, becoming a Christian, and I learned all the Christianese, and, you know, actually probably could write a Christian dictionary on all the Christian words that I didn't understand. So when I became a believer, I didn't understand a bunch of things. And, and you know, bless God, hallelujah, brother. You know, everybody was high and tight on Sunday mornings. Everybody had their haircut, suits on, the whole nine, you know. But it was a culture that I didn't understand. And as I understood kingdom culture, I understood the liberty and the freedom that Jesus actually gives to us as a people and as a person. And, like, I can live this faith in my everyday world. I can be a part of this in my everyday world. I don't have to walk around like, you know, some, I don't even know, unrecognizable person that I'm not anywhere, you know. There's a guy in Publix one time, and I don't know, I had a Jesus something on, and, and, and you know, he's yelling at somebody. And, I mean, I probably am susceptible to this, too. I could be this guy. But he looks at me and says, oh, you're a Christian? Bless God. Hallelujah, brother. How you doing? You know, he immediately went into Christian mode. And, you know, bless God, hallelujah, brother, how you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I got you, man. I mean, we got to be better than that. We got to be better than that. You know what I mean? We got to be a better people, a more relatable people, a more, a, more, a more living people. Jesus never weirded anybody out. He never weirded anybody out with his religion. He never weirded anybody out with his pretense. He never weirded anybody out with his holiness. Oh, don't touch it. He never weirded anybody out. It was in um, Prague. I bought a, I bought a um, toy for my grandson, and you know, I told this story last week, and I'm paying for it, and the guy's like, oh, your credit card company likes you. I said, my credit card company likes me. My wife likes me. I'm like, I don't even know what I said. And I said, Jesus likes me. And the guy looks at me and goes, Jesus likes you. He's like, do you not see my shirt? It's like, I'm very much against Jesus. He had a black-on-black upside-down cross on. Right? This was wild, man. This was awesome. And so he starts saying all this. I don't even remember what the conversation was. I was just like, Holy Spirit, activate. I was just like, I'm like, I'm going Jesus on this guy. So I'm going to say, I'm going to start listening to him and, and debating. And my wife said, whatever he said to you, I can't remember what he said, but Sherry said, when I heard him say that, I said, that's the last thing you say to Kevin. And I was like, I got this. And so I start talking to this guy. Story goes, and um, he's very intelligent. He's super smart, and saying all oh, science and this and science that. Meanwhile, he's got an upside down cross, and it's like you know he doesn't have a picture of Einstein on his shirt. He has a blasphemy, you know, like he's got some anger towards the Lord. Clearly, something's there. So I'm there, and I'm I'm, uh, I'm debating him, and you know, and I'm talking to him about just you know stupid science stuff, and I'm like, what do you want me to say, Lord? I heard the Lord say, honor him. This his name's Ivan. I said, Ivan, you're a good guy. I said, you, have, you are very intelligent. And I said, you have given a lot of your life to developing reasons. And you've studied, and I said, and you've really looked into the way things are and the why things are. And I stuck my hand out, and I grabbed him. And I said, and I just want to honor you for that. And I said, and I want to release to you the illuminating light of your creator in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he looked at me and went like this, and he said a couple more words. And I said, again, I want to honor you. 
And I said, and I want to release to you the illuminating power of your creator in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. I let go of the guy's hand, and he was doing this. And he's stuttering. He's like, I, 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 he couldn't even talk. Couldn't even talk. Sherry's like, do you see him manifesting? I'm like, of course I can see him manifesting. He's two feet in front of me. You can see him manifesting. And I told him, I said, I said Ivan, I believe that Jesus is going to visit you. I could see the Lord coming to him and appearing to him. I believe that God's going to encounter you. And I said, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you who Jesus is. And he's just sitting there nodding his head. And then he goes, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And I left. But it was a cool story nonetheless, you know. But um, so, you know, what's the point? I don't even know what the point is. But there was nothing weird about it. There was nothing weird about it, you know. And I was just asking God, how do I reach this guy? And I mean, I was just like, I release the illuminating light. I mean, it was like I could feel power going into this guy. It was like crazy. So it was awesome. But, you know, there was nothing weird about it. The only thing that got weird was him. I didn't get weird. I just talked to him. Honor creates access. And so I was talking to Sherry about it. I said I was honoring him to open his heart. As soon as he opened his heart, boom, here we go. I honor you, Ivan. I didn't argue with him. You, Satanist. And I didn't go, I'm no longer buying the, the Beetle toy from you because you wear an upside-down cross T-shirt. Of course, I prayed over it, but nonetheless, I'm like, sanctified by the word of God in prayer in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but it wasn't weird. It's naturally supernatural. It's what we're supposed to be. Conversational, relational, powerful, potential. Showed you a woman last week completely healed from the effects of stroke. In Prague. Yeah. Y'all missed it. Had some cool videos last week. Deaf in her ear. It's Alejandro's calling ears. Another story. Won't get into that. Woman comes up to me because I spoke at this revival meeting. Like, you know, I don't even know. I'm like straight off the plane. You know, we land. We're two hours. We go to this revival thing. I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm just going to hang out and just thing. And then the pastor's like, you're up next. I'm like, me? You know, and I'm like, okay, what do I do? But that's another story. I will tell you Sherry's story because it was really cool. So I did my thing. And then Sherry comes up and she prays. And she starts going. In the name of Jesus, I release the power of the Holy Spirit over the people of Prague. I release the power of the Holy Spirit over the city of Prague. And she's kept saying that and saying that and saying that in this wind out of nowhere. I mean, it's like a calm cricket day, right? This wind out of nowhere just starts rushing down the, uh, this, this like street that we were on and the pastor was like holding down this tent because he was standing under this tent that shaded him he was holding it down it just kept going I mean it was surreal surreal I, I we contacting the church because they were filming us and man I want to see that video but this woman gets healed of uh, her ear opens she gets healed of deaf ear she has numbness in her left face I'm not going to get into the whole story and she can't lift her arm boom all of it healed I wasn't up there going in the name of Jesus I walked her through it. I worked with her for about a half an hour. Her ear open, the numbness gone. Her, she's lifting her arm, right? <laughs> Wasn't some weird freak show. I'm standing there talking with her with an interpreter, discerning it, releasing power, releasing prayer, and everything like that. Totally natural. I could do it in Publix. I could do that in maybe not in Publix, but I could definitely do that in Publix in the public parking lot. You know what I'm saying? They probably throw me out of Publix if they start me doing that, but. Same thing with a guy that was torn in his arm. Couldn't lift his arm for 38 years. Showed that guy. 38 years, a man can't use his right arm. Yeah, same thing. Wasn't anything weird. No weirdo stuff going on. Wasn't screaming. Wasn't shouting. 
manifesting power. What did Jesus do? Was he, did he scream and shout, other than Lazarus, come forth? He looks at a guy and says, take up your bed and walk. It was nothing weird, nothing crazy, nothing psycho, you know. It was power released in humility and authority. And that's what it's all about. And that's the type of people we should be. Yeah? You don't have to be a weirdo. You just have to learn. That's it. Power's yours. So freedom is to, is to give your life to Christ, learn to hear him, see as he sees, and do as he does. This is really what freedom is. I could give you verses on that, but I don't want to run out of time. My sheep hear my voice, see as he sees, mind of Christ, do as he does, greater works. So all of these things are God's purposes for us. Freedom does not, is not a life exempt from Jesus. Freedom is the fullness of life in Jesus. That's what freedom is. A life fully integrated in Jesus, right? The guy in the toy store, just to give you another example. I, I was not going in there to witness to the dude. I'm just going in there to look at all these toys, these old tin toys from like the communist era. You know, they had all these tin tractor kind of toys, little toy shop, you know. I was just going, I wasn't in there going in there going, I'm going to evangelize this guy. I didn't go in there for that, you know. But as soon as I was like, oh, what do we have? What do we have here? What are you presenting to me, Jesus? <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't have that intention. I didn't have that in mind at all. I just there and letting the Lord prompt me, you know, and that was it. So, so here's why. Right? Here's in Deuteronomy. Jesus is our life. Joshua tells the people, choose, uh, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God. Listen to him. Cling to him, for he is your life. The Lord is your life. So why do we worship God? So it's for freedom he makes us free, and we're supposed to worship him. But why? Because he's our life. In him we live, move, and have our being. He is everything. He is everything. He is life itself. And when you understand that, life begins to change. Jesus isn't an accessory. He's everything. And you must pursue him and chisel off and rip off and tear down and get rid of everything that does not present him as everything. He's not an accessory. He's everything. And that's when life changes. In him we live, you see. We set, up, we set, we, we set upon him, we we. we come to him, we hear him, we learn to follow him, and we cling to him. We don't give up. We don't quit. Set, set him and his purposes above yourself. That's what that verse is saying. The Lord must be above you. <gasps> I thought it was all about me. No, it's all about him. It's not about you. It's about him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not yours. Seek first his kingdom and what is right to him, not what is right to you. You got me? That's the, that's the drill. So we have to set Jesus and his purposes above ourselves. We have to learn to hear him. And then he says, don't quit. Cling to him. Cling to him. Just because it's tough doesn't mean it's not Jesus. He's going to get you there. The faith has never failed. The Holy Spirit has never failed. If the Holy Spirit fails you, you'll be the first one. You quit long before the Holy Spirit does. So if you quit, don't tell me Jesus quit because he didn't quit. You did. The Lord does not quit and he doesn't fail. You have permission to change, but you do not have permission to quit. Now the Lord is spirit, and in the, in the so where does so the first question is is what is freedom, what, you know what is the purpose of freedom, and then the second side the second thing is is that there is an experiential side to freedom, the faith is experiential, got me, Bible uses the word know, and there's two words for know there's the word know which is gnosis is knowledge, and then there's another word which is my favorite word it's epignosis which is experiential knowledge, 
That's the one we want. We want experiential knowledge, right? And this is what God promises us. There's an experiential side to our faith. It's not just this lineal box, you know? We are called into a living faith, a living, breathing relationship. So we can experience this. We can own this. We can know this. It can live in us and through us. This is important. And so Corinthians says, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So where does freedom, how do we experience the freedom of Jesus? We get born again, and you remember that, you know, but that kind of, but when you get in the spirit, and you learn to worship, and you learn to receive from the spirit, and let him move over you, and let him move in you, you're free, aren't you? Huh? You with me? You love everybody when you're in the spirit, right? You love your crazy neighbor when you're in the spirit. When you're not in the spirit, you're like, that dude's got to go. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when you're in the spirit, you love you. You're, it's, that's the liberty and the freedom. When you're in the spirit, you feel like a genius. Anybody pray and you start worshiping and you get in the spirit and you just got all the answers, man. You're like, I am a genius. I wear the crown of wisdom. You know, you're walking around, you're giving counsel and you're like, man, somebody get me a pen. I need to write a book on what I'm saying. And then you get out of the spirit and you're like, what was I saying again? I don't remember that. Anybody remember that? You know, because the true you is in the spirit. And that's the manifest glory of your father within you. That's the person you will be eternally, by the way. So that beautiful person that you just like, woo, I love this. This is cool. Shiny, happy people. That's who you're going to be eternally. That's your eternal side. Then the other side is your natural side. And that's the side we have to always deal with is the natural side. But how do you experience freedom? Become a worshiper. Say with me, practice the presence. We're charismatic Christians. We're spirit-filled believers, right? We're not, we're not, you know, I don't even know. We're not the frozen chosen. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we should, under, we should learn to receive him. We should learn to soak in him. We should learn to move in him, Yeah. We should learn to come out of ourself and into him. That's how David danced in his underwear, by the way. I don't think he was in his natural mind when he was dancing in his underwear. He was in the spirit. He's just like, woo, let's go. Right? I don't know what song they were playing, but it must have been a good one because he was going for it. And I'm sure a couple of days later, he's like, I did what? What did I do? <laughs> We practice the presence, we become a worshiper, we allow the experiential power of God to flow over us and in us. You have the Holy Spirit, Christian. You have him. And you all begin to feel him. And what I see people do is they shut him down. Ooh, no, 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 me. Let him move, man. Let him love you. Let him pour into you. Let him move over you. Let him sway inside of you. Right? He releases, he activates for no other reason. There's no, you know, there's no, there's sometimes the, the purpose of that is merely to just bask in him. It's let him regenerate you. When I do that, I just let the Holy Spirit begin to just regenerate me. Every part of me, I let, his, I let him regenerate me. Sometimes I, I do that and I release the power to other people or like I'll pray. That's, that's, that's the place I minister from, is from that place. I'm not ministering unless I'm in that place. I just, I'm not doing it, you know, because I got nothing, but the Holy Spirit's got everything, Right? So the journey is out of the sin of condemnation, out of the bondage of carnality, into the realms of the kingdom, and unto a life of influence. This is what God wants for you. So here's what happens. God wants us to come out of the condemnation of, of sin. He wants us to get sanctified. He wants to get out. He wants us to get away from and get and deal with our carnal issues 
in order that we can go deeper into the realms of the Spirit so that we can produce a life of influence. This is what he wants. Got me? Anybody here feel like they were born for a purpose? Yes, come on. You feel like you were, because it's true, you're born with a purpose, on purpose with a purpose. God's designed you to make an impact. He's designed you to be a personal in, person of influence. Whether it's in your family, your neighborhood, your city, the world, whatever, who knows? Whatever sphere it is, it doesn't matter. We're all called to that. The problem is, is that our purpose gets dis, dis, side-railed, and we, so we, we don't deal with the carnality we don't deal with the carnality. We think that, like, we come to Christ, and I'm not talking about your external behaviors. Most of our carnality is rooted in the internal. Most of the carnality is rooted in mindsets, lies that we believe, wounds, pains, traumas, all the junk, all the cataclysms, all the tragedies, the regrets, the losses, the abuse, the abandonment, the neglect. It's all rooted there. And that's, where we that's what we have to deal with. We have to deal with that. Because you can't will that away. You can't pray that away. You can't read that away. You, you just can't. You have to heal it. Inner healing, restoration of the soul. Another story, another day. But we are called to deal with our carnality. We're called to deal with it. You can go into the spirit and still be carnal. It's okay. What happens is, is a lot of times, if you want the deeper things of the spirit, you got to begin this process of sanctification. And you're not going to be able to do it. I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. Trying harder isn't going to do it. Not going to do it. It's like holding up a weight, you know? If there's an issue in your life and you're just you're laying on the bench going, I'm going to try harder, and you're holding up this bench press thing, you can hold it up. Some of you might go three or four days. I'm going to try harder. Ugh. It's coming down on you one way or another. You don't have the strength to hold it up. What if we took the weights off the plate, off the, off the bar, and got rid of the bar entirely? Then you don't have to hold anything up. What if we could do that? That would be a good thing. But what happens when we don't deal with our carnality and we become worshipers? What happens is the spiritual stuff starts getting convoluted, and you never manifest purpose. But God's, this is why you know, Christians are frustrated a lot of times, but because they don't understand this journey. It's out of the condemnation of sin, beginning to deal with the carnality in your life. And let's just look at some carnality, right? The carnality is anger. And I'm not talking about, I got mad, right? Somebody took my place in line. I'm talking about epic anger. You know what I'm saying? The kind of, the kind of anger that they would want to write a book about. Your short fuse anger. Atomic anger that's there consistently. There might be an issue there, okay? The frustration. Frustration is an indicator. It's the deep thing. I don't want to get into that. That takes me too much time. Limitations. Why am I limited? Why am I limited? What, what, what is it that is limiting me? Why, why can you tell me this and I'm limited? Where's the limitation coming from? Fear is a bondage of carnality. Rejection. Ugh, good God. Hopelessness. Where there's no hope, there is no faith. So when hopelessness exists, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So hope is the foundation of faith. Without hope, there can be no faith. But hopelessness is a bondage. Anxiety. Anxiety is a bondage of carnality. So is procrastination. Ouch, man. Ouch. This is hurting, man. Procrastination, yeah, it's a bondage. You put things off over and over again because subconsciously you believe a lie. You believe you're not good enough. That's why you keep putting it off. Subconsciously, you believe that either God's not going to give it to you or you're not worthy or you don't have what it takes to accomplish what he puts in front of you. So you procrastinate and you fill your life with idle things 
<laughs> that give you the excuses to not do the things that you're called to do or that you're summoned to do or that you're great at doing. Too close? Too close? Is that too close for you guys? Is that too, too close? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm on your couch this morning. I know. I'm eating some Doritos. I'm hanging out with you guys. It's all good. I'm here too. You say, how do you know all this stuff? Because I was, I've been this and more. I'm not just a hair club president. I'm also one of the clients. You know what I'm saying? I've been here. I have longed in this journey to try to manifest the purposes of God in my life. I have longed in this journey to, to get to the realms that I know are promised to me, but I can't get there. And it's because of a lack of sanctification. And sanctification isn't smoking, drinking, and chewing and hanging out with those that are doing. That is not sanctification. Sanctification is the inner world. It's the inner world, the sanctification of the inner world. You can act righteously, but internally you got all kinds of problems. Can I get a witness? We see that all the time. The most righteous people in the world, and they just fall apart. And you're like, what happened? Because they were externally, you know, they had externally sanctified. They'd cleaned up all the stuff, but inwardly there was a lot of stuff that they hadn't dealt with. You got to deal with that. These things, greed, selfishness, compulsive behaviors. Compulsive behavior is a driven behavior. When something happens and you react, it's like when you dance like a puppet. Push that button, pff, there they go. You know, the devil just owns you. He's just putting your, pushing your buttons. Anyway, something like that. He pushes a button and you go off and you're compulsively in your depression for four days. Every single time. He pushes a button and you're in rejection. Pushes a button and there goes your anger. Five, four, three, two, there it is. <laughs> Every time, that's compulsive behavior. The things that you don't want to do, but you do. You know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep feeling this way? You know, you get around people, they, they, they make you, you feel insecure. You get around certain segments and certain groups of people and you're overwhelmed with insecurity. What is that? No, really, what is that? Where's that coming from? Right? Or intimidated? Or you constantly dis dis destroy yourself? You constantly destroy everything that's good in your life? You self-destruct? You have a meeting? You've been praying for this meeting? You get the meeting and you detonate it and blow it up. Why? What is up with that? Compulsive behaviors. Fruit of the greater root. You can experience the realms of the kingdom without dealing with your carnality, but your carnality be will be waiting for you when you come out of the spirit. <laughs> Happy day. That anger is going to be waiting for you when you come down. <laughs> so what's the deal? Identify the areas where there's bondage. Ask the Lord to identify the root causes. We do an inner healing school or class, and when I teach it, I always tell people, look for pain, look for crazy. You want to know where the carnality is? You want to know where the issues are? You want to know where the dysfunctions are? Look for pain. Look for, look for crazy. Everything that's crazy in your life and everything that's pain. Look inwardly and look outwardly. Inwardly first. Why do I react like that? That's crazy I keep acting like that. What is wrong with there? What is wrong there? Look for, pay, look for pain. Any memory that you still feel is alive. <gasps> Any memory that you still feel is alive. And if it's alive, even if it's 30 years ago, if it's alive, it is still affecting you. Yep, write it down. What is the greatest source of our freedom? The greatest source of our freedom is in hearing the Lord's voice. 
This is our greatest source of freedom. So we have experiential freedom. We have what is freedom. And now what's the greatest gift? God's voice leads us out of the wilderness. You want to get out of the wilderness of your pain? You want to get out of the wilderness of your crazy? Learn to hear his voice and the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will not tell you. Yes, he will. He will not tell you what you want to hear. He will not. I had a woman I just told, I was sharing, I'll probably jump ahead. I won't repeat this, I hope. But I was just saying in first service, like, look, Jesus doesn't answer why prayers. He does not answer why prayers, and he does not answer victim prayers. So if you're the one praying, why, God, oh, why, 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 why me, why? If you're praying why prayers, you will not be answered on the why prayer. You have to pray differently. The Lord does not answer why prayers. He answers what prayers. What is going on in my life, Lord, that is causing this chain of events? What did I miss? Where am I? Where did I make the mistake? Never why. Never, ever why. I said this in first service, and I said, and you start asking God prayers like this, and I said, and the Lord will start answering you. And I said, but he's most likely going to tell you answers that you don't want to hear. This woman comes up to me. She's pretty new to the church, and she said, She's like, thank you for that. I said, well, okay. She's like, I was the person who always asked why prayers. She said, after you said that, I started asking the Lord differently. And she said, and just like you said, he was ans- I heard him answer me, and he was answering me with things I didn't want to hear. I said, see, I told you. I told you. He'll answer you. You're guaranteed his voice because he died to give it to you. The problem is, is you're misaligned. They're called effectual fit prayers. The Bible says the, uh, factual pra- the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. We think it's the fervency of our prayers. It's not just the fervency of your prayers. It's the effectualness of your prayers. So we are called to pray with effect. You know what I'm saying? So there's a way to pray with effect. That's what we need to work on. You know, we're all fervent. We're all in. Ah, and we're fervent. And we cry. Ah, why? Ah, look at me, Jesus. Ah, I'm pathetic. <laughs> Empathy doesn't move heaven. Faith moves heaven. It's true. Empathy doesn't move heaven. Faith moves heaven. And so we, we pray like that. We act like that. God doesn't recognize us. He doesn't recognize victims because you're not a victim. You're a victor. And so when you stop acting like a victim and you pray as a son or a daughter and you stand before your father and you speak to your father, you know, like you see it in the Bible. These guys laying on the floor weeping. Job's laying on the ground weeping. Ha, ha, ha. laying on the ground weeping. Ha, ha, ha. What's God's word to them? Get up. Get up. Both times. Get up. Stand up, Joshua. Get on your feet. Get up, Job. Answer me like a man. Stop acting like a child. Stop playing the victim. Rise up to the level of your birth. Take your rightful place and speak to me to the, at the level of your birth. Speak to me as a son. Speak to me as a daughter. Speak to me from that place, and I will hear you. But if you're going to lay on the floor, snot coming out of your nose, and rolling around crying and calling on me, I'm not answering you. If you need the time to cry, and you need the time to mourn, and you need the time to lament, take all the time you need. But when you want me to get involved, stop the sniveling. I'll comfort you, but I'm not going to answer you out of that place. I'm not answering you out of victim mode. He never does. He never does. Write it down. Write it down. Many of you, you've been, you've been praying victim prayers for years, and you wonder why God doesn't answer your prayers. You've been praying why prayers for years. Pivot. Start praying effectually and watch him answer you. He'll start answering you immediately. Immediately. 
God, but you can't be a victim. Like I, I used the story of my son one time throwing a tantrum. Might have been Walmart, can't, can't remember. But he's throwing a tantrum, oh, and he's on the floor, and he was super tired, and we couldn't get him up. And, you know, and he keeps throwing himself on the ground and crying and crying and crying. People walking by, and I'm like, that's not my son. That's not. <laughs> I don't know whose child that is, but that thing right there, that, that action right there, that's not my son. That's how God is. You know, when, you're, when your son doesn't recognize, he doesn't recognize you as a victim because he's not called you to be a victim. When you Christ, you're a victor. We're more than conquerors. Amen. It doesn't matter how much it hurts. You take your position as a son and father. What did I miss? What is the root cause? What is going on here? Not why, why, why. Give me discernment and understanding as to what's going on here. Show me what I'm missing. Show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to re re recalibrate. Show me which way to go forward. You start asking questions like that, he's going to answer you. Why did this happen, Lord? I had all of my chips on this relationship. Why did it fall apart? Crickets. God doesn't love me because if he loved me, he would answer me. But because he doesn't answer me, he doesn't love me. Crickets, nothing, zero, zilch, nada, nothing, not now, not ever. He's not his nature, not his nature. He will not, will not, not now, not ever. Greatest key is learning to hear his voice. How he speaks, he speaks through his word. His word is the primer. And from his word, he speaks through his spirit. But the Holy Spirit speaks scripture. Holy Spirit's language is scripture. His Holy Spirit's language is faith. But the Holy Spirit's language is scripture. He never, he never violates scripture. I had a guy say, oh, you know, the Lord told me to move in with my girlfriend. I'm like, that's not scripture. <laughs> it's just not scripture. It, it's cultural, but it's not scriptural. You know what I'm saying? It's just like the way it is. So the scripture is the primer. Scripture is the frame of God's, of God's understanding. God will never violate his word. He'll violate your understanding. You may, think it's, you may think the word means this. And the Holy Spirit says it doesn't mean that. It means way more than what you think. So it's not about violating Scripture. He will violate your understanding of Scripture. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. He speaks through natural circumstances. He speaks through dreams and visions. But he will not speak if you're not answering, if you're not asking. This is another key. I'm giving you, key. I'm giving you keys here, right? You want the Lord to speak to you? You've got to ask him for something. Well, he should know. He should know what I want. The Father knows all things. And I'm like, yep, before you ask. So yes, the Father knows all things, but there's still a component of asking there, people. Right? When we got married, when we first got married, um, this was a big thing in our life. We've since grown past this. But my wife would say, you should know what I want. You should know what I want. And so I'm like, I don't know what you want. So I'd be guessing and all this other stuff. And she's like, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. You should know what I want. And I'm like, I don't know what I want, what you want. Tell me what you want! <laughs> this led to a great period of maturity in our relationship. <laughs> now Sherry tells me what she wants. You understand? But we, a lot of us, we treat God that way. He should know what I want. No, you have an issue with vulnerability. That's really what that is. Ladies, if you can't tell the guy what you want, you have a deep issue with vulnerability. You have insecurity and vulnerability because you can't speak up for yourself. <gasps> yeah. And it's the same thing with the Lord. If you can't be intimate with the Lord and tell him what you want, I just want what Jesus wants. Well, do you know what Jesus wants? No, but I just know what Jesus wants. Now, what do you want? You feel too intimate. You feel too vulnerable. You know, you feel there, there's an issue of vulnerability there. That's why you don't ask. Again, sorry, just trying to help you. So we have to, we have to ask him. We have to ask him. He's not going to answer anything unless you ask. You must ask, and you must ask appropriately. You must not, as James says, ask amiss. 
you ask amiss. You're asking for the wrong reasons and out of the wrong context. We have to learn a relationship with him. His world is not our world. We are invited into his world, but we must learn his world. We must learn his nature, his heart, and his world. We always dumb God down to our context. God's not trying to get dumbed down to your context. He's trying to elevate you into his context. Yeah? It's true. We have to learn him and understand him and grow in him. That's how this works. How do you develop a reading plan? Start reading your Bible. You don't have to understand it. You probably won't. Start with the New Testament. You're not going to understand everything. You're not going to have the understanding. You don't need to understand everything. You need to get it in you. Yeah. I don't understand it. That's why I don't, li- I don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop with the self-limitating excuses. No excuses. Get the word in you, if you don't, even if you don't understand it. Yeah? Moist, you're on a roll here, man. You're, you're cheering me on, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> So, you know, you're on a roll, you know, you're on a roll. But the Bible says that you we're taught these things, which that's another, that's another story. So how do you hear him? Get a reading plan. Um, you know, withdraw from the noise. I, I was going to go into Habakkuk 2, but I don't have time. Create a margin. You have to create a margin in your life for the Lord to speak to you. If you don't have a margin for the Lord to speak to you, he's not speaking to you. He's not, you know, it can be in your car. It can be in the morning. It can be in the evening before you go to bed. Those are really good windows, Right? In the morning is a great time. I was just, I've been jet lagged, so I've been, my eyes have been popping open at 5.30 in the morning. I've been, Doom, you know. And the other day, the Lord pokes me. Hey, you know, come outside. I want to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I, what do I do? I do what I always do. I grab a notebook and I grab a pen and a paper. Because if Jesus is speaking, I need to take notes. You know what I'm saying? So whatever he says, even if it's yabba dabba do, it's going to be good. You know what I mean? <laughs> no matter what he says, it's going to be good and it's going to be worth writing down. Okay, so yabba dabba do. What am I? No, anyway. But uh, so he, I, I go out there and I start sitting there and and here's the, I'm giving you more keys. Honor creates access. It's like okay, Lord, you want to speak to me? And he's like, yeah, I want to speak to you. His his speaking to you is so secondary in this in this. It, he wants relationship with you. Speaking to you isn't the problem. He wants you to relate to him. He wants you in a love fest with him. That's really what he wants. If you want to be honest, right? And out of the love fest comes all the instruction you will ever need. He'll tell you, you know, how he framed the worlds. I mean, I don't even understand. I mean, he'll give you quantum physics if you can grasp it. I come outside, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? And he's like, what do I want to say? You know this. You know better than this, Kevin. And so I'm like, I know better than this. And so I just start worshiping him. I start worshiping him. I start honoring him. I start thanking him. He say, I got a lot of problems. You got a big daddy. You may have a lot of problems. You got a big daddy. Focus on your big daddy, right? And you start praying to the Lord, and I start just to honoring him. You are, my, you are my father. I thank you, whatever. I'm saying all kinds of things. You are my everlasting. You are my Lord. You are my eternal. You are my immortal. You are my life. You are all things to me, Jesus. I start honoring him and worshiping him and acknowledging him and blessing him and giving him gratitude and all kinds of things, and I'm worshiping him. I'm listening to music and everything. And then out of the blue, click. He speaks to me, and he starts instructing me. So the way the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks out of honor. These are just things the way he speaks in Scripture. So if you really want to hear deep things of God, and you really want to expand how God speaks to you, you better learn the Bible, because that's how he speaks, right? He's, that's how he speaks. If you don't know the Bible, it just, everything gets wonky. You got to know the Scripture, because that's your frame. You got to have at least a working understanding of how God is and what he's all about. And he will speak to you, and he'll expand it to you. When God speaks to you, 
like what he does here, you'll see him. So it's not the mind. Everybody thinks, oh, it's my mind. No, you'll hear a word, but it's not necessarily your mind. You'll see a vision, but it's not in your mind. It's not in your mind. He's speaking in the spirit. He's speaking in different, he's speaking in realms. So what God will do is he will show you. So you'll see from here. So this is the vision. But when he gives instruction, he gives instruction from here. This is how it works. You'll have instruction and you'll feel it and you'll hear it. This is how it works. You have to cultivate yourself into this. We are trained into our natural minds. Our default is always our natural mind. And that's why we don't hear him because our, we always lean into our own understanding, which is exactly what the Bible tells us not to do. We lean into our natural minds and we can't understand the things of the spirit. You have to learn. You learn and then you learn to trust and you learn to trust and you learn that when God speaks from this place, he's never wrong. <laughs> Lock it down, write the check, step through the door because I have learned that this is how my father speaks right? This is how it works. And so you learn these things and God will give you, he will show you vision. He will give you instruction and he will show you, he will tell you certain things to do, great and mighty things you know not of. He'll show you that. You don't always have the answers because you have to continue to relate to him to get the answers. So I don't know if I've emphasized this, this point of relationship enough, but it's all about relationship. It's not about the instruction. It's not, the instruction is easy to the Lord. That's easy. Relationship is his desire. Relationship is his treasure. It's all about that, you know? And you, you, your, your trust factor and your anxiety level is going to go down when you develop this confidence in his voice. When you know my dad's got it all figured out. I don't have it figured out, but he does. I don't have an answer, but he does. You know, we need to do something. No, we're not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. Until I hear from Jesus, this is me. I drive people crazy. I don't do anything unless I hear from Jesus. Not happening. Not happening. You want a keys to ministry? I'll give you keys to ministry. That's how I heal. That's how the, most of the healing manifestations, and I see crazy miracles. And most of the healing manifestations come out of that space, that inner space with the Holy Spirit. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Shared the story last week. Had this guy come up to me. First guy off the rip in, in Naples. Got this little withered hand. He's got a hand like this, withered, right? Just like this. That's, that's, that's the first guy, right? Batter up, Kevin. Here you go. And I already know. I'm thinking, well, what do you want? Well, I already know what the guy wants. You know what I'm saying? He's got an arm like this. And I'm praying for him. And I'm at, I sat back and I asked the Holy Spirit. I go, what do you want to do? And I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, I'm going to open his hand and he will move his wrist. And I go, okay. And so I tell the interpreter. And the interpreter tells him. He's like, he's going to open his hand, and he's going to heal, and he's going to move his wrist. And he, the guy, and the interpreter says to me, he does not want you to pray for him in this manner. And I'm like, what? And then he's like, he wants you to pray the Lord to make his arm bigger and his arm stronger. And so I'm like, all right. So I'm like, okay, Lord. And the Holy Spirit says to me again, I am going to open his hand, and he is going to move his wrist. And I'm like, and then I got oil all over my hand. I grab, I grab his hand. I grab his wrist because I'm trying to emphasize the point. And I'm like, the Lord says he's going to open your hand and you're going to move your wrist. He pulls his hand away from me and says, he does not want you to pray in this manner. So I asked him, I say, okay, what do you want to do? And he said, he wants you to pray for strength. So I know nothing's going to happen because, you know, you don't dictate the terms. So I pray for the guy and that happens. Then the next guy comes up to me, very next guy, can't move his arm for 38 years. 38 years, that's the next guy. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, hey, pray for me, pray for wisdom for me. I mean, I got a guy with a withered hand and then I got a guy who can't move his arm. 
you know, and this guy listened to me. I listened to the Holy Spirit. I told him what to, what to do. And I said, listen, just follow my lead. Do what I'm telling you to do, and it's going to happen. And boom, he's, his hand's up. But, you know, you, you, but, but it doesn't come out of, you know, th this, the person that I'm praying for is not dictating the terms to me. They don't dictate the terms to me. I ask the Holy Spirit, and I follow the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And I step back, and I wait for him to speak to me. You know, and he, he always answers. I know, we got communion. He always answers, but I'm on a roll. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, he, he always answers, Christian. He always answers. And not just for healing and ministry. He'll answer for your life. You might not like the answer. Most of the time, people don't like the answer. And as the Lord told me, one of us is wrong, Kevin, and it's not me. We try to reinterpret the answers that God gives us. We try to turn it into our own fancy. And we try to, you know, God will give us a directive and he will say, this is the major malfunction. This is what you need to address. Here's where the issue lies. Oh, no, 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 no. Can't be that, can't be that. And so th these, are, these are just nuanceable things that enable the Holy Spirit to lead you. And if you won't listen to him, you presume and assume upon him, or you reinterpret his directives to your own understanding, which is the wrong thing to do, Right? You know, he tells me things that are almost crippling to me sometimes. What's the malfunction? Okay, Kevin, I need you to grab some paper, get a pen, sit down, and hold the chair. <laughs> That's my story. What's yours? But I've grown past that. But in the beginning, the, the things that he would tell me were very devastating to me. But he doesn't tell them to you to hurt you. He tells them to help you. And he will never tell you anything if you don't ask him. If you don't want to know what the problem is, rest assured, keep your head in the sand because he'll never speak. If you think the Holy Spirit's going to tell you the malfunctions, he's not going to. He will not. You must ask him. You have to ask him, not as a victim and not out of why. But if you'll ask him, he'll tell you. And not only will he tell you, if you ask him more questions, he'll lead you forward. Amen. But not if you don't ask him. Yeah. Not if you don't ask him. Yeah? yeah? So you can keep crazy. That's what I tell people in the inner healing school. You can keep crazy. You don't, have to, you don't have to deal with crazy, and you don't have to deal with pain, and you don't have to deal with your life. You don't have to. You can keep it. You can keep creating a facade like everything's okay and keep wondering why things are the way they are. But if you ask the Lord, he will tell you, and he will help you, and he will lead you. But you have to be willing and out of that humble place. You have to be willing to do that. He'll change everything. His job is regeneration. His job is restoration. We have the power of the kingdom within us. We have the power of the kingdom upon us. The limiting factor is ourselves. The limiting factor is our mindsets, our agreements, and a devil that we haven't fully broken off of us. That's the only thing that limits us. The Lord does not limit you. He is not limiting you. Amen. He's a God of restoration and regeneration. I don't care how, what mess your life is. Beauty for ashes, man. That's what my Bible says. I have nothing left. You got an ash heap. Let's give Jesus the ash heap. Let's see what he can do with that. I only got a stick. This is all that's left of my life is a stick. Give it to Jesus. He can do something with that. What do you got? Right? Amen? We're going to say a prayer, and then we're going to do communion. All right? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm out of time. Stand on your feet, if you would, please. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to start speaking to us again. God also speaks in dreams and visions that dreams and visions are prophetic narratives. There's no such thing as a crazy dream. 
And there's no such thing as a demonic dream. The devil is never speaking to you in dreams, ever. Write it down. It's always the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks in dreams. I don't care how psycho your dream is. It's the Holy Spirit revealing something to you. You may not understand it. You may not discern it, but there's still prophetic narratives. And so we're going to pray. Ready? You guys want to pray with me? You're going to pray with me. Come on, say it with me. Holy Spirit, Spirit. you are my life. life. I repent of the neglect that I have had towards you. I renounce my ignorance and my arrogance as it relates to you. I give you permission to open my heart and my mind to your word, to your dreams, to your revelations, all that is true, all that I am asking for. I give you, as it relates to all, say this, as it relates to all that I ask for. I give you permission to form the questions that I need to ask. I will no longer presume or assume upon you. I will no longer look for answers that serve my convenience. I desire truth and I desire freedom. I am worthy because Jesus says I am worthy. No one has the right to determine my value and worth except the one who purchased me. And he says I am worthy, and therefore I am worthy. I renounce all covenants that I have made with unworthiness, fear, and all of their kind. I repent for the identities I have taken, the comforts I have received, and the decisions I have made related to unworthiness, fear, and any of their kind. It is my Heavenly Father's honor to give me his voice. It is my honor to him to receive his voice. Therefore, I choose to honor my father and to open my heart and my spirit to his voice, fresh and new from this time forward. This is my statement of record before the court of heaven, and I renounce all statements to the contrary. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, come on. Yeah. Shelly's going to.